0: It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen.
1: Welcome to the Australian Golf Show with Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry taking you inside the ropes. Looking forward to chatting with renowned golf coach and saviour of public golf courses, Sandy Jamison. But Marco, first, did you catch former world number one Rory Uh McIlroy's putt? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did catch the putt. And I, I watched your scores with interest as well. Um, you know, only 20 people playing that week. Uh, it's a pretty cruisy tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if he was having a few drinks at night. I don't know what's happening. But you can play with a clouded head every once in a while. and That's no big deal. Sure, if you people a be path. doing that on the professional circuit forever. Um, but the putt, a ball off the green, and you're a professional golfer, um, very, very embarrassing. Yeah, what it reminded me of, though, when I saw it, it took me all the way back to a U.S. Open where Phil Mickelson hit a ball with his putter. It was going to go off the green. In fact, mm-hmm. it was well and truly on the downslope. Yep. And he went and hit it while it was moving. Now, what? Yeah, yeah. How and, can you and do that? In the end, it was only a small penalty. It was like it was might have been one or two shots. It was it was not much. The way I remember it, I reckon Martin Blake will find out what that penalty was, and he'll tell us when we talk to Martin a little bit later. But it was only one or two shots. But for me, what Phil Mickelson did all the way back, if a kid, if a boy mm. or a girl did that in the club championships, for for instance, it, that person would be taken into the committee room and probably given a little holiday from the club. <laughs> and Phil Mickelson did this on the golf course.
1: I can't believe uh, he wasn't disqualified.
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's funny because in the, in the rules of golf, if you hit a moving ball, it's, you know, I think the new rules, it's, it's only, a, like I said, a one or a two shot penalty, but when you've hit the ball past the hole and it's going to roll somewhere that's far, far worse, that rule wasn't made for that sort of situation. It was made for a very, very different situation. Um, well, so-
1: McEl- yeah. McIlroy yeah, calls it the, uh, his worst putt in his 13-year career. <laughs> and he says, it's a fick- I love this, he called the game the ficklest of fickle.
2: Yeah, there you go. Well, it is. It's a crazy game. Uh, The best players in the world have shocking days. Um, Yeah, Martin's just told me it was a two-shot penalty. That was it. So it was going to go miles and miles away. It was going to run down a hill. And he was going to have a 30-metre pitch. Uh, But it didn't happen. He only got a two-shot penalty. And he just basically stopped the ball from going all the way down. That's ridiculous.
1: What's the worst shot you've ever hit? The worst uh, round.
2: Well, look, uh, I've told this story a few times. I used to watch Hey, Hey at Saturday when I was a kid.
1: I love that and, show. And
2: because I watched Hey, Hey at Saturday, I knew when the red light went on that you were on. And um, I was playing at a an Australian PGA eight Concord. And I was playing pretty well. Um, and there was a camera right on the tee. And the red light came on. And it was the first time that I'd ever been on TV, but because you know, Daryl Summers used to tell us all that the red lights on. I'm You're on. on. Anyway. <laughs> I remember I remember I've taken the club back and I'm thinking, come on, just hit a nice shot. And I literally I topped it. I topped it about 150 meters with a three wood. Not even the driver. I topped it with a three wood. Um, but look it, it, And when it just trickled off. Oh, it went like it went 150 metres, which is, oh, you know, fantastic. It was some a horrible... One
1: of those, it's, it's well, gone one metre. It
2: was, it was supposed to go 250 <laughs> metres. <laughs> but look, everyone, everyone's had some crazy shots. I know, I was playing with John Seddon one year in the New Zealand Open, and um, you had to hit through this shoot. and oh, I, I might have had a couple of drinks the night before, and you know, John and I were probably first off on the Sunday, and... Leary-eyed and just, just wanted to get home. And John Sennon just hit this launch all the way down the middle. It must have gone 300, 300 yards, and I'm feeling pretty tired. Anyway, I skied it, and it went straight up, and it hit this tree that you're supposed <laughs> to <hit> be under. <laughs> and the ball just fell down about 30 foot in front of me. So they're the two most embarrassing shots I can remember in my career.
1: Hey, uh, Colin Morikawa. Now, I know I'm stealing a little bit of Martin Blake's thunder. He'll come on a little bit later in the show and tell us what's happening around the traps. But um, he had a chance to take over world number one position and choked a bit like Greg Norman. I know it's completely different, but uh, Norman in
2: 96. Yeah, Uh, look, everyone does it. I was was watching that tournament and, yeah, he played brilliantly. I mean, I think he's first. Six nine holes of the tournament, yeah. It was like there are only 31s, 32s, and 33s. And then with the world number one on the line, he goes out and shoots 41 on the front nine, and including a horrible, horrible ship. That's this is the same place where we saw Tiger have all the trouble with the shipping. This, this grass, the and it's just cooch grass, they call it yeah. something else when you watch it on the TV. But the cooch grass, when it's cut low, it can make you look so stupid. And even the very, very best players, they can really you know it's called a chili dip in the game and it just makes you feel so small when it happens that happened to colin um i think he was it. Um, he got engaged on the tuesday during the week as well, well so well, he, he might have he, had
1: a bit of a tipple
2: he got engaged on the tuesday he had a chance to go to world number 1 on the sunday and blew it the poor <laughs> bugger
1: Oh, well. All right. Well, we won't steal any more of, uh, of Martin's news. So let's uh, throw to a break. But I can't got, wait for this. Oh, we've got uh, a professional coming up, the creator of One Club Golf and savior of public golf, Sandy Jamison. This is really important. This so is important, around.
2: folks. Yeah, yeah, this is important. To
1: this. Welcome back. You're listening with Marco and Tiff. And our cherry picked interview for this week is a very special person for many reasons, but one of those is is that he has taken up the challenge to save public golf. Sandy Jamison joins us. Welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me along, guys.
1: Now, Sandy, can you, in a broad sense, for those who may not be fully aware of the issue, can you please describe the challenge we have on our hands?
3: We we have a massive challenge on our hands. I I guess the thing is that um, there's one in five people in Australia who are interested in golf but don't yet play golf, and we have public golf courses throughout the country that are played by, I guess, a small amount of people for the population they're in and they're under pressure. Uh, Unfortunately, what all of us would have noticed when you look at our council elections, councils are no longer made up of um, mums and dads who want to represent necessarily just a local issue. Councils are now federal political parties. And so throughout all the councils, you have um, political lines that are going across the country. So when we're talking about a golf course in Queensland, New South Wales, WA, South Australia, Tasmania, Victoria, each one of those golf courses affects every one of us because it's a federal issue really that's being played in council areas.
2: Well, this has all come to a head with the one that's in Northcote. You were there yesterday. What happened at Northcote public golf course yesterday, Sandy?
3: Oh, there was a fantastic meeting yesterday. So it was basically the the Northcote community hub that was – Pitching their reasons to why we should save the golf course. James Sutherland from Golf Australia was there, along with David Glutio. Mm. Were community elders from the Aboriginal community, where the, which is the the course is on the Aboriginal land, and mm. the community's very supportive of the golf course, which was great. Uh,
2: Sandy, I remember when COVID first struck, and there was no golf, and then we had people using Northcote Public Golf Course for exercise. And so many people ended up using it for exercise that the pro shop decided to open up and sell some toasted sandwiches and, <laughs> and and coffees. I mean, it was ridiculous. So you could you could wander around and get yourself a coffee, get yourself a toasted sandwich. You can do whatever you like, and as long as you didn't have a golf club in your hand. A lot of those people saw the golf course for the first time and, and probably saw why people enjoy golf so much because you know you're in these beautiful grass areas, um, um, manicured fairways, greens, all this kind of stuff. And it seems like some of them want to just take it away from golfers now. Do do you think these people realize how much it costs to actually uh, get a golf course in decent order? Do you reckon they've got any idea?
3: Oh, look, I think there's definitely the reason they like the golf course is because it was manicured better than the parkland surrounding it. I think that we need to remember in COVID times when we're all stuck in our house unless we're allowed out to exercise, that people were seeking green space and they wanted a lot of it, more than normal times. And so the golf course is a perfect place to go and recreate. My little golf course at Oakley was exactly the same. It was a dog park for all the shutdown periods. And I think we all welcome people to that space. Mm. But the reality is go and have a look at your local parks now. They're not overrun with people. We have plenty of parkland around that North. Correct. So, in COVID times, yes, we needed the golf courses for park space, absolutely, and we welcomed the people onto them. In non-COVID times, you know, golf has a massive role to play for our community, so we need to save it.
1: We saw, Sandy, in the last 12 months, the statistics say there's around 3 million people had some kind of connection with golf, um, whether it be playing an actual 18 holes, Um, as a member or just as a casual player or driving range or mini golf, whatever it is. And a lot of those have been women Um, and a lot of, uh, a lot of, talk has been around using the uh, these public golf courses, obviously, for other things in addition to golf. So we can look at things like walking your dog, um, frisbee throwing, yoga, Pilates, even someone, uh, I was doing some research and, and putting up, you know, moonlight cinemas, which I think is a fantastic idea. There's so many different things that we can do. So how do we find the balance? How can we create um, you know, a, a space where yes, golfers can use it, which is open to everyone anyway, and we can use it for other activities.
3: Well, it's pretty simple. We've got a thing called a timesheet. You know, we can allocate times on the golf course for for different groups of people playing golf, just like we can allocate times on the golf course when there is no golf. So, mm. if there's a traditionally quiet time on the golf course, so for instance, um, the course I'm at, Mondays are really quiet. Well. What's what's the matter with late Monday afternoon at people being able to walk their dogs on it? It it works in other parts of the world. You know, we have a crazy thing about building fences around the golf courses, which doesn't need to happen. If you check, if everyone's to check out Eric Anderslang's um, article in the UK on Wimbledon Common Golf Course, just go and watch the YouTube video. You know, they've been sharing that course for over 100 years with dog walkers. It's, it's brilliant.
1: St Andrews does as well, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, St Andrews is closed on Sunday mm. um, and you can kick your football around it. But, I, look, I don't think it needs to get to that at Northcote um, because there's plenty of park space around it. And if we do a good job with golf, there's plenty of demand for golf. Certainly nighttime cinemas and things like that, great. Other activities around the golf shop like mini golf, et cetera, et cetera, are really good. But, look, Chief, you touched on a really important point that I really don't want to miss out on, mm. about women in golf. So if you've been listening to this podcast, you would have noticed that, you know, they're talking about in golf stats, it's 20% women, 80% men. Well, that's for handicap rounds of golf. The reality is at public golf course. So I did a straw poll at my little course. When were like 31% women playing at my little public course? Fantastic. So public golf bats beyond its average when it comes to women playing golf for probably mm. a myriad of reasons if you close public golf you are going to discriminate against women more than any other group in the market. Mm. Can't so look. what
1: so what can we do then Sandy what what can people do to to stop these golf courses being taken back by the council uh, Repairs. Let's
3: let's start with a bit of a a bit of an activity for the listeners. 1st of all, define public golf. So public golf is anywhere you can play by just paying a green fee. You don't have to be a member. So country courses um, semi 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 member courses. So, that's a public golf course. What I want everyone to do, because we're talking to golfers here, fortunately and unfortunately, we need to speak to the broader community. So, mm. all the listeners on this podcast, I'm going to send you over the challenge today to talk to your non golfing friends. So, here's a little activity. I'd normally ask you to stand up, but or put your arm up. Let's just put your thumb up. I just want a thumb up if you play golf. A thumb up if you play golf. My thumbs up. All right. So everyone out there listening, thumbs up if you play golf. What I want you to do, I want you to put your thumb down if you started playing golf on a private golf course.
2: My thumb is still
3: up. Yeah. So if your thumb's still up and you play at a private golf course, if public golf disappears, it's going to spend. It's going to spell the end for your golf course where you play now.
2: It's exactly right, Sandy. And, and I put it this way: you know, everyone goes skiing. Not many people I've ever heard of start skiing on the black run. They just don't. They go to Friday Flats or they go to Burke Street or you know, they they go to the easy place to learn that skill. And the same has to be protected now. I'm all for. You know, I I remember in my membership, and I've been a member of it, golf clubs for coming up to 40 years. I, we used to pay this thing for the uh, Golf uh, Victoria magazine in, in the state of Victoria, and I'm sure the same thing used to happen in New South Wales and everywhere else. I, I'd be so happy to pay if if we know that the money goes straight to public facilities. I'd be really happy to you know fork over, I don't know, 50 bucks. I, I, and you put it in there as a donation as well. I just think that makes sense. I mean, if there's 100,000 members of golf clubs, uh, multiply that by 50 bucks. I mean, it's a nice little help for the golf courses in the vicinity of those public, uh, those private golf courses. I think that would be a nice way to start things and just to get the facilities up because I'm very big on making golf better. You know, if you make golf better, then the numbers will look after themselves. Mm. If, if golf is more accessible, if golf is more enjoyable, um, the things you do after golf, like you go in somewhere nice and have a sandwich, if all that sort of stuff is available uh, at public facilities, then uh, the habit of playing golf weekly, monthly, whatever it is, fortnightly, um, will be ingrained. And I, I just think it's, a, it's the next step we've got to do in this country to protect public golf.
3: Well, if you look at the nature report that came out where Tiff got her stats from, one of the really important stats is there's 5.8 million people in Australia who didn't do a golf activity in the last 12 months. So that's one in five people out there who are interested in playing golf. And if you look at what's happened just recently, in Tasmania we lost Rosny Public Golf Course. In Queensland we lost Vic Park. Mm. Um, before that, we lost Elstonwick in Victoria, and WA's lost New Cockburn Golf Course. Mm.
2: And well, don't forget the talk about Moor Park as well. I reckon this is where your crusade started when there was talk about Moor Park losing nine holes. Mm. And and the what they were writing about golfers in general in the paper to justify taking nine holes. I, I seem to think that correlated with you starting what you were doing, Sandy. Is that right?
3: Yeah, it certainly did it. It struck a, it struck a call with me um, because I went back to public golf. Because I saw the need and I thought we'd actually, I'd been part of a failure. I'd been a golf pro for 25 years and golf had gone backwards in that time. And I had a, a good, hard look at myself and asked some big questions. And it's a game I love and it's a game I see a lot of diverse people playing. I come from a fairly humble background. I certainly didn't come from money. And if it wasn't for Waddle Park Golf Course where I started,
1: hmm.
3: I wouldn't have played. So, another thing for all the listeners to think about if you're at a member at a golf club, since COVID's been around, we've had a boom, um, not through any doing of golf. It, it happened because it was the only activity. I bet you struggle struggled to get a tee time at your golf club at the moment.
1: Mm. Yep.
3: Okay. So those 5.8 million people out there, they're not going to get a game at your golf course at the moment. Not a chance. Most semi-private golf clubs have actually become fully private at the moment. So unless we as members of golf clubs support the public golf when it, things die and we get the natural attrition there will be no more golfers to come and take your place which means your membership's going to go up mm. because there's less golfers paying the bills yep so the call to we'll make a call to action in a minute and what we can do but it's just so important that you remember where you started encourage and take new golfers out to that little public golf course which as marco said is the spot you want to start. You don't want to start where there's bunkers three times as deep as the person is tall. You want to mm. you you want to start where people've got a chance.
1: Well, you also you take away the public course. Imagine the the uh, the, the challenge of actually trying to get a tea time elsewhere. So the more courses you take away, obviously. Now um, you're the creator of One Golf. You've won awards for this, which is fantastic. One Golf is, uh, is a program designed to make it easy, fun, affordable, get people in. And we talked about women. Obviously, I'm representing uh, you know women's views on how they uh, how they see golf and and what what issues they face. Can you take us through one golf um, and how it's traveling? No doubt, there's been an enormous pickup of it in the last uh, twelve months as well.
3: Okay, so slight like, correction. It's one club golf, and it's a big. It's a big. I think one golf's what we're doing in Australia with the organisations, which is great. But one club golf is, as it said, so I teach golf with one club, which is how I started. So my,
2: my that's how I started too.
3: You know, I speak to every golf pro around. Anyone who got a club put in their hand at early days, their parents got them one club. We put today with kids. You'll get them a plastic club. Uh, that's how I started, and it's the simplest way to start golf. When you first start or thinking of starting, you're not going to go and buy your kids a full set of golf clubs in case they don't like it. Maybe, maybe keen golfers would because they're going to push and push and push. And there's no point having a whole lot of golf clubs until – you can hit the thing in the middle of the club face because obviously that's how the loft works, you know, unless you're in the middle of the face, the club doesn't work. So what I do with One Club Golf, my my um, my pledge is pretty simple. If you've never played golf before, within 15 minutes, I'll have you on the course playing, and within an hour, you'll be a good golfer guaranteed.
2: I agree.
1: That's amazing.
3: No,
2: it's, well, it's a great way to learn. And what Sandy is saying is true because it simplifies the game to a point where the only thing you're really worried about is hitting the ball. Mm. Um, and I've mentioned to you when we had our lesson tip, remember I, I spoke to you about the loft. The first yeah. thing I always tell people when they start the game is, how do you think a golf ball gets up in the air? And Sandy, you've heard this probably a hundred times, that people are trying to get underneath the ball and they're trying to you know help it up in the air. It just doesn't work because the loft is there. And what Sandy is saying is, right, if you're given a simple lofted club to start with and you just hit the ball, Well, sooner or later, it's a beautiful feeling off the club. The ball starts flying. and If you put a little bit of backspin on it, with the loft does, it almost gets a little bit of glide. And once that ball gets that tiny bit of glide moving, the sensation through your body, not only uh, when you, you know, through your hands up to your nervous system, but then you look up in your eyes and you're seeing this ball glide down the fairway, that's when you become a golfer. That's when it all clicks in and away you go.
1: So how do you putt with it?
3: Well, you just hit the ball. It's easy. So It's it's a fairly low lofted club um, and we can do everything with it. There's no doubt a putter is easier to use, but as soon as you've got extra clubs, you've got more equipment to take around and it just complicates the whole thing. But Mm. as an industry, we've made the game too expensive Mm. and too difficult. Like everywhere you go, there's someone trying to give you advice on how to play better. We just need to play. So one of the things I'm proudest of at Oakley is we use community coaches that represent the community who deliver the program. So in the city of Monash, there's over 40,000 people who speak Mandarin or Cantonese.
1: Mm. Smart. I have,
3: a, I have a community coach that teaches it in that language. So good. The best one, which we did last night, we have an all-abilities program. We have people with autism who are accredited coaches through Golf Australia who teach one-club golf, who get paid to do it, so they've got a job, and they teach other people with varying disabilities. So, for instance, this Friday we have a group with cerebral palsy coming down to the golf course in their wheelchairs, and that will be delivered by people on the spectrum, because golf is an easy game; it's a simple game to play at its basics. Mm. We're going to be—we're not all going to be Curry Web when we first go out. Yeah, so that, that's the thing. We just get them on the golf course, and and it's a simple game.
1: And
0: you go,
2: Sandy. Back. Just be, just before we let you go, too. I mean, we're 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 running out of time. I think we've been going for fifteen minutes. It's just easy to listen to and easy to talk about, um, but we can't let you go without mm. uh, giving us a little bit of detail about when you used to coach Robert Allenby. I know Jared Lyle was also there, um, and uh, to my surprise, Whye Yang you used to coach a little bit with Whye Yang too. The first Asian player to win a major.
3: Yeah, I oh, look I... I thought that was what I wanted to do was coach tour players and, um, you know, had a, a fair amount of success with them. But, look, I, I actually, when you're talking about it, I was cleaning my thing behind in case everyone could see and I found a, some playing cards that I pinched out of the back out of Allenby's private jet and net um, <laughs> jets. Jets. <laughs> because um, typical Australian, I had to I had to steal something. That's the way. It was fantastic working with Robert. But remember, Robert wouldn't have been Robert without Malvern Valley Public Golf Course. That's right. Um, it's teaching tour players is no different to teaching um, club golfers. It's simplifying the game of golf.
2: Mm.
3: I used to think I wanted to do it, but but you know what? Introducing people to golf is so much more fun than that. It, it, it's it's where it's at.
2: Quickly, why Yang? I mean, huge name. Like I said a second ago, the first Asian male to win a a major. What was he like as a fella? And 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 his ability. Give us a give us a little oh. insight.
3: Great fun, he great sense of humour. Although my Korean wasn't very good, and his English was worse than my Korean. <laughs> That's not fair. Uh, great sense of humour. I learned a lot about golf, and I think from him. And I think that uh, when you when you saw someone who'd come out of a different system, it would have been um, it would have been you know you just learn things. We came from the Australian thing. Great putter. Had a really strong grip when I was trying to teach him. I was teaching him on tour, needed to change his grip, but going to tour events and changing grip wasn't a good idea. He went on to be coached in America by a guy and took time out to get his grip right, and um, that's why he won a major, but awesome talent. And I think the the Korean military background too, mm. Korean men, they are hard as nails mentally, some of the stuff they've gone through. But um,
2: Did he have to go do his military after winning a yeah, major or did he nah, get off he,
3: because he won a major? He did the military beforehand. Wow. Okay. But, hey, before we finish, like talking about tour players is really important, but I do have a call to arms that's really important. So when I said to the club golfers out there in Australia, you can do something, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the saveNorthcoteGolfCourse.org website. Yep. And I want you to fill the survey out. You don't have to live in, in Northcote to do the survey. And as I said, yes, that's a course in Victoria, but we're talking about a political movement that is Australia-wide, if we can save Northcote, and it is on a razor's edge at the moment, right. whether it stays or goes, that will help you in your state. So if you go to the Save SaveNorthcoteGolfCourse.org um, page, yep. read how they want you to go about the survey, because if you read the survey, you're going to see it's so biased, you would think they're going to close the course anyway. Wow. Fill it out with respect. The last thing we want is people mm. to, that we're some crazy people, you know, don't take our guns. Just respectfully fill out what the space means to you and you can make a difference.
2: Okay. Even just Googling Save Northcote Golf Course, you'll find it.
3: That'll do it.
1: Yep. One last thing, the great Jared Lyle. You also uh, also was his coach for uh, a number of years and I believe that there's a a new tournament that's been named in his honour.
3: There is a new tournament that's been named in his honour, which is fantastic part of the new players' series. And look, everyone loved Jared Lyle and um he uh he's done a lot especially through Challenge Cancer, But he's still donating to Jared Lyle's cause will help kids with cancer and which is what he want. He was a great guy. Used to used to ring up people. I was on the practice for at Commonwealth when I was coaching there, and there's a guy who was diagnosed with leukemia. And he said, oh, I really like Jared. I told Jared, gave him his number, he rang him up and spoke to him. Jerry would be wrapped that people are still supporting Challenge Cancer um, through his name. Is his lead.
1: Yep. So the TPS Murray River, watch out for that one next year. Sandy, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. It's uh, it really is so, so needed, and uh, you know you've really taken up the cause, and we really really appreciate, obviously, your time coming on the show today, but but all the time that you've put towards saving
2: public golf. No
3: problems. It's my pleasure.
2: Good on you. Bravo, Sandy. Bravo. What do we got next, Tiff?
1: Well, coming up next, we have the gazelle Martin Blake with all our golfing news at home and abroad. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Australian Golf Show, and we welcome the man with all the news around the traps, Martin Blake. Blakey, great to have you join us again. I want to check in with Steph Kiriaki. Last week, uh, she was attempting to get on the LPGA tour. How's she travelling?
0: Yeah, good. Uh, good to talk to you, you two guys. And well done with Sandy. That was a that was a great chat. Steph Kiriaku from Sir Michaels in Sydney. Um, shot a 63 on Sunday in the uh, wow. Yeah, she she uh, came from the came from the clouds, and she's ended up finishing tied fourth in the in the the latest round of the qualifying. As I mentioned last week, it's an absolute marathon. It's actually mm. an eight round thing. So she's four rounds in, but she's in a tie for fourth. She needs to be in the top 45 at the end of next week in Alabama mm. uh, to get her LPGA to a, to a card. But she's She's in a great position. I mean, four rounds. There's a lot can go wrong in four rounds, of course. But actually, uh, Sarah Jane Smith, who's a veteran of the tour, and Karis Davidson, who's trying to get on for the first time, they're both inside the uh, the running there as well. So you know, I think Karis is you know just inside the top twenty. So and and Sarah Jane Smith, similar. So uh, you know, those three players could potentially have themselves some LPGA cards next week. Mm. And when
2: When you're talking about Steph shooting that 63, that's enormous in a tour school. I mean, if you are capable of shooting that low in a tour school when the pressure's really on, you are in control of your wits, you're in control of your game, you know where the ball's going. It's just such a brilliant, brilliant sign. So fingers crossed. Still, what four rounds to go, Martin? But four
0: rounds in Alabama next week. Yeah, yeah that's Saturday Wednesday, I think. Just, just sensational off. for and, Steph,
1: and only a week off the back of her 21st. She's she's flying at the moment, sticking in, uh, sticking with the US. The Masters. How many yeah. does it look like we will? How many Aussies?
0: Yeah, well, I was just looking. I know we've spoken a lot about Minwoo Lee's ranking in the last few weeks for obvious reasons because he's hovering around that fifty. Mm. This morning he's at number fifty exactly. So I think he went <sighs> down a cog. So it's a bit of a, a concern. Look, I know that his management has told me that they project they're projecting out that he, you know, even though he's not playing again this calendar year, he will be inside the 50 at the end of the calendar year, which gets you a start. In the Masters for next April, but uh, until that actually happens, I'm sure you know when when you spoke to him a couple last week or the week before, you know he said, "Oh well, I'm not in the Masters yet. He's not going to count his chickens, so to speak." But uh, let's not believe that he'll be in there. Uh, I believe there'll be six. Uh, Ooh, so who who are the others? Give us a rundown. So Cam Smith's in, Adam Scott's in as a past winner. Leishman's in on ranking. Yeah. Cam Davis from Sydney is in because he won uh, in in the US last so season. Good, beautiful. Uh, Lucas Herbert is in because he's won in the US. And Minwoo Lee would be number six, assuming that he. What about does Jason Day? Stays. So that's, uh, Jason Day is not in the Masters field. To my knowledge, as we speak, uh, he's actually ranked 115 in the world at the moment. Jason Day, did you ha- have you happened to see there's a video going around on YouTube at the moment? I think it's a PGA Tour video of Jason Day's house and his golf backyard setup. Oh, it's unbelievable, it's a dream setup. <laughs> Can you describe okay.
1: it, describe it. it well, it, well there's
0: got- a sauna, there's uh, you know, it looks we- like Augusta, yeah, yeah, a gusta.
1: How do you play golf in a sauna?
2: There's, uh, but there's a there's a there's a weight room, a sauna, um, uh, and then obviously every single professional golfer these days has got the, um, you know, you hit into the curtain and you see the golf holes and all that kind of stuff with the setup. But the one that I loved, he's got the indoor putting green, and he can, with a with a remote control, can change the borrow on the greens, and on Correct. the roof, he's got this projector. That not only does the borrow change, but the lines of the borrow are projected onto the floor, oh. and it all—it all like it is. If you're a golfer, it would be Disneyland just to get in his
0: in his <laughs> in his gymnasium for a little while. That's what it's Rory
1: McIlroy needed
0: it's not helping him much at the moment, Jason. No. As I said, he's outside the top 100 in the world. He hasn't won for about three years. And, uh, you know, obviously the injury issues that he's had are not helping him. Uh, what about speaking of injury issues? Tiger Woods, you spoke about him last week, mm. and this is causing absolute mayhem in america because he did the press conference last week and said oh look i'm a way off and then now it emerges that he wants to play with his son in that pnc family event in florida Um, in a couple of weeks it's near not so far from his home and he has played with charlie i think charlie must be about 12 or 13 now yeah Yeah. um he played with him a couple of years ago and you know that thing went around the world how how happy are the organizers of that thing gonna be (laughs) just enormous Um, because, because if Tiger comes back and plays that, I mean, will um, outrate right, the
2: Masters. I, find I, know, the son I know. Or the, I mean, and, and the mother son too. I know. I know. Um, some of the girls are playing this year as well, which is sensational. Absolutely. Uh, can um, I? Can I ask you a question, both? Yeah. Um, I, he'll be playing in a cart if he plays. He's not going to walk around. Not uh, sure. We're, not we've sure. seen we've seen players playing carts before because of disability. Would you let Tiger play in a? cart to get him playing 10 tournaments a year. Good question. Good question. Uh, I, I, my I'm answer a, I'm is yes. Yes, yes well, I'm a yes. I mean, he,
0: he's been in a car accident and he has a significant injury as a result of that. Of course, my answer would be yes. Yes, I'm a yes. Would Tiger do it, though? No. I don't reckon he would. <laughs> <laughs> I think the pride might get in the way, Marker. I think it would. It's that golf's pride thing.
2: I don't think you're going to see him playing in the seniors either, because of, of pride. Uh, he
0: might play when he's 60 years old, perhaps. he might get him. Maybe he'll shoot his age one day, Mark. I'm waiting for you to sort of throw your hand up and tell no, us no. that you, you've shot your age. You need to get a few years on you've, your. Uh, you've, you've got another. Come
1: on, you're just a spring chicken.
0: You've got another uh, shooting age story, haven't you? I uh, did. Thank you very much to the Australian Golf Club who sent me this story. There's a guy at, at the Australian in Sydney called Jeff Everett. He broke his age on the 24th of last month by 10, high oh. 10. How he's, old is he? he's 86 years old and what? he shot in a competition. He shot 76 off the stick. He had 45 Stableford points off his 13 handicap. That's pretty handy so that he's good. Impressive. He's also gone on and won the B grade championship. I mean, that that sort of speaks to That's our idea that golf, golf can go pretty much forever. Yeah. I mean, how many games? Game, you know, maybe bowling or something like that. You can, you do. There's not many games that you can keep playing and play well to that age. So that's a way uh, Hey, Martin,
2: can we we encourage people to send
0: more uh, shooting the
2: age stories in? Because the best thing in golf, I don't care what anyone says, it's better than the Holy One, better than Albatross. Shooting your age in golf is the best thing. And the very least we can do on the Australian Golf Show is highlight people Mm. who shoot their age for the first time or on a regular basis. Follow
1: us us on Twitter. You follow us on Twitter at golf show, and where else can they uh, email it to, Martin? Through,
0: through Twitter is good. Uh, other than that, it's golf, uh, me, sorry, media at golf.org.au. That's good the reason. email, media at golf.org.au. To me, Martin Blake, and uh, I will, I'm will. i quite happy to talk about these stories. That That's an absolute cracker. Uh, now, Sandy spoke about Northcote. Um, public, which mm. we're we're hoping will become a bit of a national issue, even though it's just a it's a little nine hole course in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. But there's a bigger there's a bigger issue around this, which you've you've spoken to, to Sandy about. They had a public meeting last night. Sandy spoke. Uh, James Sutherland was there as well, the CEO of Golf Australia. It's something that we're really really fighting, and that cool. that consultation period ends pretty soon. So let's hope that we get the the right decision there you know a sensible decision that that allows for the uh engagement of the community you know the community can come in there you don't have to shut the gates um, but you don't need to throw the golf club out either that's Mm -hmm. that's just not necessary i think we're going to have uh golf australia is having a big announcement later this week just to throw that one in around public golf as well because the, the national strategy which is coming out soon um public golf and engagement with young people. Yep. Uh, they're big issues for golf that we we need to address and they right. are going to be addressed. Can
2: we get James on early next year to talk to us about it?
0: No problem you'll, at all. Yeah, yeah we, we, we can we can get James on. Good. That's about the uh, end of my story, too. Well,
1: there's a lot, a lot of news. Thank you so much, Mark. Heading
0: down to Moona Links this week for the yes. big PGA and I hope That's you people come along there.
1: I'll be heading down with you and um, playing and you can a couple watch of – on-
0: you can watch it on Pox Sports. Sports. Oh, you're in the celeb thing, are you? Tip? Oh, I did oh, say tip.
1: celeb. but I played it last year and they said, you know, you you got to play two back-to-back. I said, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do wow. that. And then they said, you make the cut, you got to come back. I was like, oh. Oh, uh I won't uh, be making a cut. Uh, and then they said, <laughs> and then if you're going to play four rounds anyway, I've made it all the way through to the final day and we finished started, tied for eight.
2: Oh, well done to you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Good yeah. on you.
1: It was a lot of fun, I have to say. Yeah,
2: they are good fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: They all right. Looking fun. forward to that. Thank you for Thanks, that, Thanks, Gazelle. No problem. And uh, Marco, we've got a little bit of uh, the masterclass coming up yeah, okay. after this. Okay. Yeah.
2: I'm going to help you putting when you're not on the golf course. Uh, this is what Victor Hovland does all the time. And uh, it's just a little secret that uh, professional golf has been doing for a long, long time that you'll find out about very soon.
1: Well, Mark, I've been practising my shoulder turn and my short backswing, and guess what? The ball's flying an extra 20, 30. So now you're going to fix up my short game.
2: Well, uh, specifically, how do you say that? Specifically. Specifically, that one. That one, thank you. The putting. So... Golfers for a long, long time, they're things called chalk lines and plumbers use them and you snap a line down a dead straight line on the putting green. Now, um, golf courses frown upon this because there are big footprint marks left on the ground where a pro just stands there for hours and hours and hours doing this drill. And the chalk line gets your putter face nice and square. Mm -hmm. So what is fantastic now, and I won't do an ad because there's so many of them, but putting mats for home. Every single putting mat at home, you can just put on your hard floor, you can put on the concrete out the side, but they've all got a dead straight line right on top of them. Now, you you get whatever hole you like, uh, but to consistently practice your putting with a dead straight line, getting your putter face perpendicular is the most important thing to start the ball online. If you are not aiming where you want the ball to go, then... By definition, you've got to do something fancy with the hands, and I promise you, the best players in the whole world—they are always using either a chalk line, or a laser line, or a putting mat at home. They are always, always doing it. Watch out! Just follow us on Twitter at golf. Uh, is it at Aust Host, Golf? A-U-S-T, show? Aust
1: Golf Show. A-U-S-T,
2: yep. golf show? Um, I'll put it up uh, not long after this is sent out and I'll give you a look at the mat and what we use as the hole. But it is very, very important. They are very cheap. And the best thing, Christmas is on the way. Oh, yes. So put your order in now. I don't care which one you get. I don't care what hole you use, but always practice your putting religiously at least once or twice a week with your putter face square to a dead straight line that is going in the right direction.
1: I'm going out right now. Good. Thank you. See you next week.
2: See you next week.